Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 313. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Hi. <laughs> hey. What's <laughs> up? This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Dan Gilroy's Velvet Buzzsaw. We'll also be talking about something we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I think we can safely jump into our review just straight away. I don't really have many updates to give you all. Uh, We're trying to get Ryan Watches a movie back. We tried just to be completely transparent. Just to be completely transparent, we tried like three times and it's fallen through every time due to like technical issues and stuff like that. So we're trying to work with Ryan on getting it back. So hopefully very soon it will come back. Say by the 90s, we're prepping our February episode. That'll be up soon. And it's a special double-sized episode. So... Very much looking forward to that. It'll probably be out uh, in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Velvet Buzzsaw. This is written and directed by Dan Gilroy. I have a synopsis here. After a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. If art. This. <laughs> <laughs> This stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, Zawi Ashton, uh, Tony Collette is in there, Davi Diggs is in there, John Malkovich is in there. Now, I have a review for this up on the site. Kevin, you're you're a pretty big art guy. You're you're an artist yourself. Mm-hmm. You are very well versed in the art world. I would say. I don't know if I would go very. There's a little you're, bit you're very l- let me rephrase let me rephrase you're very well versed in in art so you you know artists you follow yeah, them yeah, yeah. You, you're not in the quote-unquote art world per se you're not going to not, gallery no. openings and stuff like that no god heavens no <laughs> so <laughs> i'm interested to hear your thoughts what did you think of velvet buzzsaw this is one of, I consider this like a very, very niche genre that I absolutely love. Anything that involves the art world, whether it be a satire or a drama or anything, anything that revolves around the art world, I'm immediately drawn to it. Now, this also, from what I could tell, looked like it was going to be absolutely ridiculous, which I enjoy a lot. And I love the fact that it, from what I could tell from the trailers, now I was slightly let down in the movie, but there was still enough of it there that it looked like they let Jake Gyllenhaal go bubble boy. And I love when they let him go wild. I did, it's just when he gets to play silly, it's great. Yeah. And he does a little bit here. <laughs> and his name is Morph. For fuck sake, Morph. I'm glad you brought that up at the top because... I was thinking about this and I I was going to send out a tweet and just get reactions from people on favorite character names because Morph Vandewalt has to be (laughs) definitely my favorite character name of 2019. I don't know if anything's going to top Morph Vandewalt 
but it's gonna be difficult I, I mean that that might be one of my all-time favorite character names just in the history of cinema morph vander vanderwald is so amazing and they'll refer to him as morph in all seriousness but no yeah. one chuckles after they say morph <laughs> and it's M O M O R F too, by the way. Uh, what a name. Um, so yeah, I actually kind of wanted this to be, I was, I was hoping that this would be dumb. You know, I wanted to be like throwback kind of dumb where it's just kind of off the wall. Insanity doesn't really make sense. And I figured that if, if it does that, I really enjoy myself. Now, it does kind of do that, but I was wrong. I don't know myself. I didn't enjoy it that much because it was a bit ridiculous where, like, the whole premise of it, which, again, is insane and really stupid, but uh, just, like, the execution of it, Mm -hmm. it just didn't work for me. Would you say that you wanted it to go a little bit further, like, to go get just a little bit more crazy and over the top or i want a little bit a little bit crazier a little bit more over the top i didn't need this whole this idea of like art fighting back that to Mm, me just mm -hmm. felt it felt too simple you know well yeah i mean the it is a satire and it is pretty on the nose so jake gyllenhaal plays the art critic the snooty art critic you have renee russo who's this gallery owner you have Zoe Ashton, who is her associate. And then you have some other people in there. There's like a rival gallery owner. There's Tony Collette, who was, uh, she worked at a museum, but then she left and became a buyer for a rich client. So you have all these people that are, that, that sort of are in the art world who they're there to profit off of it. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not there. They don't truly appreciate the the artist's work. They they look at it as a commodity and they're trying to make as much money as they can off of it and that's sort of the point they find this this art that this guy explicitly says that he upon his death is supposed to be destroyed and they are so amazed by it that they keep it for as their own. And I think that's that's another interesting aspect of the movie how these people take ownership of this art that's you know not not theirs they yeah they shouldn't do that and the art (laughs) the art comes to life and kills them yeah which and again like that's ridiculous that's over the top right but i just wish it would have been handled so much better because i thought that the way the ways in which the art kind of took these people out and or came to life. It was just, it's just really tacky and cheesy. Like it just didn't work for me. It, it one, first off, the the paintings themselves were atrocious. They were terrible. <laughs> it was terrible artwork. The, what's his name? Deese? Is that, was yeah. that the guy? <laughs> Vetral Deese. Vetral Deese? <laughs> I didn't think that they were that bad, but. You know, there's just, like the you have the one where it's like the two face and then it becomes one face and it's just like ah okay that was well it should be noted that it wasn't just 
those paintings that it's all paintings it was all paintings so they like it it infiltrated all art and not just paintings either it infiltrated like sculpture pieces and stuff like that as well just inhabited all art yeah yeah i just started taking people out i really so to go back to what you were saying about the cheesiness i completely agree yes it's very cheesy but i think that it's it's intentionally campy. I think that that's all done very, very purposefully. It, it, the violence is over the top and cartoonish. It's, I don't know if it's supposed to be horrifying or overly serious. I think it's all sort of a tongue in cheek look at, at it. But yeah, I, I agree that I think they could have been a little bit more. Uh, creative with some yeah, of the exactly some exactly. of the deaths yeah because i think the only one that i truly enjoyed because of how over the top it was was the the, the final one well the final oh, the one sphere. too because that one was just i loved the final one i thought that was the best the best That's... one but yeah this the sphere was was pretty silly too because as soon as you see that sphere you know yeah, and you you see it in the trailer too, but you you know that something's going to happen with that sphere, and even not in the context of this movie, which you know that the art is going to take people out. Even if sphere was a real thing that was in a gallery space or in a museum, and you know the the whole conceit of it is to stick your arm in one of the holes, I would not do that. I'm not sticking my arm in holes. No. I wouldn't just because, yeah, I was just going to say, I wouldn't do it because it's a hygiene thing for me, like to know that hundreds, possibly thousands of other people put their hand in that thing. Mm. I'd just be like, nah, that's gross. And I know that that. the the experience isn't going to be shit. It's not going to be nothing. It's just a hole in a sphere. Yeah. But I did. I did like the aftermath of that, of how they... (laughs) kind of the deadpan recounting of how they just thought it was part of the exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. It's weird because, you know, I'm, I'm a huge horror buff, but I would say that I enjoyed the non horror elements, maybe, maybe even more than the horror elements of this, just because you have this really great cast of characters. They're all very colorful and (laughs) unlikable in their own little way. And I just enjoyed spending time with these, these uh, narcissists and awful people. And I, I just enjoyed the banter that they all had with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree because the outside of <clears throat> those two demises, I thought that the, the horror elements just did, they just did not work. Just didn't work at all for me. No, not. Not necessarily. I, I think that this is suited for a Netflix release. It's a good spot for it where I didn't find any anything that was like overly offensive with this movie or bad per se, mm-hmm. but it was just like sort of a middle of the road uh, release for me. I, I had fun with it. I was entertained by it and I, I laughed at a, a good bit of stuff, mostly stuff from uh, from Jake Gyllenhaal's character. But yeah, it was just like, yeah, so it's, that's okay. I liked what they did with uh, Davi Diggs and John Malkovich's characters. Like these, these two guys are actual artists 
and how the the Dees paintings affected them was very different than the other characters who were the, yeah. the art dealers and and such. And I liked that representation as well. But other than that, I was a little bit middle of the road with it. Yeah, I hear you. Plus that 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 the ending ending was just just a little bit too much. Like it just just took it a little bit too far because it was already kind of dumb. Yeah, and then the, <laughs> it's just you just should have quit while you're ahead, and you weren't really ahead at that point. <laughs> but you should have yeah. just packed it up. You should have just quit. <laughs> packed it up and went home. You need to, to you know tack that on at the end. And I just feel bad for Coco's character that just because she's just kind of this. She's trying to get into the art world. She's just trying to do her job, and she essentially has to deal with everything and everyone. The after, yeah, the aftermath of everything, every everyone that she goes to work for. This is the worst luck. <laughs> and she rightfully, she's like, okay, I thought I could make it through this, but obviously. This isn't going to end. I'm just no, going to go I'm out. Home. <laughs> I'm just out. going to pack it up. I'm going to go to the airport. I gave it a go and it didn't work out. I'm gone. Not much more to say about it. I mean, where where does this stack up against Nightcrawler for you? Well, it's definitely, this is definitely the worst of Gilroy's movies. Because didn't Gilroy do, what was the other one he did after Nightcrawler? Didn't he do... um? Roman he J. did Israel? Roman J. Israel Esquire, yeah. Roman J. Israel Esquire is my favorite of his. That movie's great. Nightcrawler's all right. This one, eh. Okay. Because to me, like, Nightcrawler kind of stuff is the same thing. Really on the nose. Really obvious. You know what I mean? But just executed well enough. Where here, that's just, like, the execute. Like, and there's just, a, like, little instances of just doing really stupid stuff. Like, it's taking the camera through the, what was it, like the rosé glass or the champagne glass, you know, and like oh, yeah, the, yeah. the editing of this movie, like the transitions and stuff or the cuts, it's just, just a lot of tackiness, which I'm sure probably is part of the point, but I, I also don't like experiencing that tackiness. Like, I get it, but I'd rather not. David Ehrlich... In his review, he said something interesting about how this was released on Netflix. He said, nothing could better define the industry devouring studio than a star studded cautionary tale about the fatal danger of assigning value to an abstract thing. Not only is Velvet Buzzsaw the kind of batshit insane, fiercely uncommercial gift factory of a movie that only Netflix could make, it's also blood-soaked propaganda for a streaming platform where every piece of art has an equal price where a magnum opus like roma is effectively worth the same as a comedy about a kid who gets his dick cut off where something like bird box can become the most popular movie in the world on the strength of its memes where a disembodied marketplace requires no box office no taste and no one to mourn for all of the artists whose work is consigned to the Void by the almighty algorithm that rules us all. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty apt. Ehrlich coming in coming in hot with the Netflix takedown. Oh Netflix. Anyway, but uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. I think I gave this a what did I give it? A six, I think. In my six. review. Six. 
I give it a six and a half. Being awfully nice. Like I said, I en- I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances. I thought it was funny. It made me laugh, and I was I was entertained by it. I think that this is a movie that's not going to work for a lot of people, and it didn't necessarily work a hundred percent of the time for me either. But I had fun with it. I'll give it a four. All right. Solid. There four. you have it. Velvet Buzzsaw is on Netflix right now. If you want to give it a look. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I think I'll kick it off this week. I saw Lords of Chaos. This is the I was pretty I was pretty excited about this. This was actually on my most anticipated list, I believe. Uh this is directed by Jonas Ockerlin and it is a biopic about the Norwegian black metal band uh Mayhem. All right. Stars Rory Culkin and I really enjoyed this. Uh, I actually saw two Ockerlin movies last weekend, and one of them I hated, and one of them I really enjoyed. This is the one that I really enjoyed. If you're not familiar with Mayhem, they have a crazy story. So they're sort of the the forefathers. They sort of invented the genre of Norwegian black metal back in the early 90s. They weren't, it was sort of, it was all a persona, right? Like a lot of these metal bands put on a persona of these like Satan worshiping, you know, violent, evil, dark people, but that's not really, they're just normal people yeah. and they just sort of put on a, a persona. Well, Mayhem was really good at portraying these, these characters and they ended up getting this this following that truly believed in the the stuff that they were saying and they ended up bringing in uh so their first lead singer killed himself and they ended up taking pictures of it like because the Roy Culkin's character I can't remember his, his name uh f- finds the body and ends up taking pictures of it and they end up using it on an album cover mm. Yeah, and there was also a rumor that he ate some of his brains. Jesus. Uh, because the guy slits his wrist, slits his own throat, and then shoots himself in the head Jesus with a Christ. shotgun. Uh, yeah, it should be noted, this is a very, very dark and disturbing movie. Very, very disturbing. There's some really heinous, brutal, grisly, realistic violence that happens in this movie. So the lead, the original lead singer kills himself. They find this new guy to be the, the bass player. And he believes in mayhem so much that he starts like burning down churches. And one of the band members ends up killing someone. And then another band member kills another band member. It's, it's just an insane story. I, I first learned about mayhem they released a documentary about the band uh, several years ago that I watched and it was just a, a tragic but fascinating story. And I thought that Ockerlin did a really good job of translating that to, to the screen. It's much more subdued than his other films. And uh, I, I, I think that this is his, I think this is his best not including his music videos, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is quite good. So I would recommend checking out Lords of Chaos. comes out this week. 
Do you want me to talk about Polar since it's Hit also Polar? So he also directed Polar, which came out on Netflix last week. And it stars Mads Mikkelsen as this uh, hitman. He's an assassin who is who is on the verge of retirement, and he discovers that this young group of assassins is trying to kill him because the company he works for is turns out they're they're in debt and they're trying to kill all of their retired employees because they end up paying out like. The, their pensions and stuff it's ridiculous this whole whole financial thing i love that it's that this is all predicated on our retirement plan yeah it is and so it turns out that the mads mickelson so in the company you have to retire at age 50 and he just turned 50 so he retires he's like the best assassin in the world he's like a legend and all these young assassins are trying to kill him and he just he messes them up. Mm. It's overstylized. It is pretty ugly for the most part. It's got this sort of uh, late nineties, early aughts look to it. That is, it just doesn't work. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than to say it just looks painful. Like everything about this movie just looks so bad. And like, I get that. 14 year olds in the year 2000 were into this where it's like you have these like titles like crazy graphics that are popping up on the screen with people's names and stuff and it just feels dated uh it's it's also not a very nice movie it's like overly offensive just to be offensive it's like oh we're edgy we're gonna there's like a scene he like he gets a dog at the very beginning and then kills the dog like right away by accident and it's just uh there's just not not much enjoyment to be had in polar the there are a few action scenes that are quite good uh mads it kicks so much ass in this movie and that's that's a joy to watch him just go to work there's a scene where he's sniping people in the woods and he's he's naked because he was in bed with this woman and he gets attacked and ends up killing this sniper and then taking his spot. And he's just laying in the snow, completely naked, just shooting, shooting people left and right. Just sniping people nude. And then there's this really great scene with this uh, like sentry gun thing that he has. And that's just really, really fun and over the top, but in a good way. But the rest of it is over the top in a very bad way. So I, mm. I can't really recommend Polar, unfortunately. That's a bummer. <clears throat> I saw uh, Hotel Artemis, the old sci-fi movie from last year. Yeah. It's an interesting premise, right? I like the idea of it. The execution, I actually didn't think was half bad. But this is one of those rare instances where, like, yes, it was kind of a a positive that this has like a tight runtime, but at the same time, it I feel like they didn't utilize that effectively. Like they weren't efficient enough with that runtime. Like there's so much about this movie that just is not explained or expanded upon or anything where it's just kind of like, there's a decent amount towards the end where it's just like, they just leave it. 
Like they just cut off, they're done, and they never come back to it. Like there's a whole scene with the woman in the little hallway where she's, you know, kicking the shit out of all these guys. You get a little bit of action of her kicking the shit out of these guys, right? They catch their breath. She catches her breath. And she gives them that ultimatum of like, don't cross my line. And you're like, you know, and they cut away to what's happening elsewhere. And you're just like, oh, shit. Like they set that up that we're going to come back for an even bigger action set piece. But they never come back to it ever. <laughs> and it's just like, why would you set it up that way? To be this like big, like culminating thing for her and then just, just leave it. Like never mention it. You have no idea what happens there. Like I assume she survives. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know if they all die. Several of them die. If the people end up in comas, I don't know. Like they just never come back to it. They essentially just like at the end, they're just like, we're done and everything's fine now, but you don't. You have no idea what happens. Like it's such a bizarre choice. Yeah, I remember not liking this movie. (laughs) To me, it was okay. I actually liked Jodie Foster, and I actually liked a a decent number of people in this movie. But to me, like the visuals of it were just like I understand that this is like dark, dingy, like hotel, and of course it's like in the middle of this like routine power outage. But it's just like, it's so dark that like half the time I can't see what the fuck is even going on. It's just, it felt like a really, it felt like they kind of had it for a little bit and then it just, they fumbled it out of their hand. It's just a missed opportunity. Oh, that's Hotel Artemis. I saw Death Walks at Midnight. This is directed by Luciano Acholi. Talked about one of his movies just a couple weeks ago. uh, The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. This is uh, the movie that he released after this one. I think maybe his, maybe it was two, two after this one. So he did Death Walks on High Heels, and then he did Death Walks at Midnight. Not related, just similar titles. So this one is about this fashion model who, for some reason, agrees to take this experimental drug and the the drug makes her she thinks she sees a woman being murdered she's she thinks that she witnessed a murder and it turns out she did it was just a memory that she suppressed and the killer begins to so this this uh news reporter guy writes a story about it and then the killer sees it and then targets her it's it's okay. It's uh feels like a light giallo that's it's not terribly violent. The the mystery aspect of it is somewhat intriguing. However, uh being separated from it for a couple of weeks, it's already like fading from my memory uh, pretty quickly. So I I would say I, I enjoyed it, but it's certainly not one of my like top uh, Giallo releases. Arrow put this out in, in a really nice uh, Blu-ray package. So I would give it a light recommend. Death Walks at Midnight. Mm, you know how you know that it's going to be slightly disappointing. You know that it's not going to be that top tier stuff. It's because there's not enough words in the title. The more words 
in a title, the better it's going to be. Uh, I'm not sure that's true, but it's an interesting theory. No, it's science. (laughs) Okay. It's science. We'll we'll, we'll go with that. You can't argue with it. I only saw one other movie, and that's Joy Kevin, which is a rewatch. This is uh, yeah, this is back from 2014. Uh, I think we might have. I, I think we covered this on the show before. I, I think I think so. Probably I'm pretty sure we did. I know that it ended up on my list for that year that it came out. This is a little indie movie directed by uh, Caleb Johnson that I was a big fan of when it came out in, I think, like 2014, 2015, maybe, in that area. And uh, you talk about someone being very efficient with runtime. This is like an hour, hour, probably like less than that, because probably I would say like two to three minutes of that is credits. So you're looking at like 57 minute movie here. And this is just a, like a like a marital comedy drama type deal with this this young couple newly married they're both trying to you got jordan clifford he plays the husband kevin he's like a struggling stand-up comic trying to work on his routine and stuff and then you have tally metal who is a like dancer choreographer and she's working on this piece that she was commissioned for she's struggling with it it's not working out and her situation keeps keeps getting worse and worse and her husband doesn't really do anything except get garbage chairs and bring them home that don't fit the house at all it's so good i, I rewatched it because they're trying to bring back the the unsung indies but having that problem again where i don't have any time to write mm. so at some point it's gonna happen i got all these little tidbits all these little things all these pieces just got to sit down to put them together. Got to crank it out. Got to crank it out. You got to make time for it. But this is, on, this is on Vimeo right now for free. You can just go there and watch it. You don't have to pay anything. If you want to hear our full review of this one, it was on episode 143. Oh, wow. We, we did review it on the show, 143. We, we did The Theory of Everything, The Mule, Late Phases, and Joy Kevin. We did four movies. <laughs> yeah, this is this is back when we had some ambition, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, we did a lot of. There was yeah, there's not much going on back then. There was no watch list on that episode, but yeah, we I did gotcha. four reviews. I wonder if we still did the where I would tell you what I plan to watch the next week. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that was just like the first couple episodes that that happened. I think we uh, and then we, we finally came to quickly. our senses. They were like, "This is the dumbest thing that you could yeah. possibly do." <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I would recommend yeah. Joy Kevin. I, 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 I enjoyed that movie too. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's serious. There's a great dramatic performance from Tally Metal. Which, I mean, she gives a really great performance in this movie, I think. I think it's just all around, as far as indies go, the last couple of years, it's up there. Top top tier type deal. Uh, all right. So I saw a couple more Giallo films. One was The Bird with the Crystal Plumage from 1970. This was directed by Dario Argento. This is his debut. Uh, really, really enjoyed this. I mean, really strong 
debut. It's about this American writer who's in Italy and he witnesses a murder of uh, the an owner of an art gallery and sort of the the mystery and that that forms around that where he's trying to he sort of turns himself you know all of these giallo movies many of them end up having like amateur detectives involved so he he decides that he wants to figure out what's going on and and solve this because the police are like because he was going to leave he's going to go back to america like the next day and the police are like now we need we need you to hang around since you witnessed this. It's quite good. I'd recommend checking out the the bird with the crystal plumage. I also saw one from 2004. So this is a more contemporary Giallo film. It's called Eyes of Crystal, okay. uh, directed by Eros Puglielli. Mm-hmm. This was pretty good. This was, it had a little bit of a seven vibe to it where there's this, there was this murderer that, is going around chopping off people's limbs and doing what with them? You'll have to watch to find out. Oh, but man. I thought you were going to tell me. It it is uh, it's very procedural, but it certainly has the a giallo vibe to it. And it's you know with a lot of these modern or more modern giallo movies, they're all just sort of throwbacks to the the 70s versions you know they all have the same sort of they, they try to look like the older style movies this this doesn't attempt to do that it just it just is so that's sort of interesting and it most of them are are all like sort of paying homage to that genre whereas this is just it's just in the genre Okay. It looks it looks contemporary, Good. but a lot of the trappings, a lot of the sort of telltale tropes of a giallo are present here. So okay. I would recommend uh, giving it a look. I actually saw this on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Oh, nice. And the other one, the last one that I'll mention is Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> this is directed by Robert Rodriguez, written and produced by James Cameron. And it mm-hmm. comes out on February 14th. Uh, the embargo just lifted this week. And I did not like this movie at all. Oh, my goodness. Did not enjoy it. Mm. First, first, the good. The action sequences are great. They look awesome. The CG and effects work is great. I mean, it. this is taking... CG to the next level. It it's beyond uncanny valley. It it looks so good. Those are the two good things. The rest of the movie is atrocious. The script is awful. The whole movie feels like a young adult story where you have this like terrible love story subplot that gets introduced and they spend way too much time on and none of it makes any sense. The world building is very weak which sucks because I really like these kind of cyberpunk movies. Mm-hmm. And this is very much a cyberpunk movie, uh, you know, drawing inspiration from like Blade Runner and, and films of that ilk. And it's just not interesting. Like the world they live in is just not very good. So you have this city on, on, on the ground 
And this is where all like the sort of working class people live. And for some reason, they all have like robotic appendages, which is, I thought was odd. Like 90% of the population have missing arms or legs. And I'm just wondering what kind of world this is where people like, maybe it's an, an elective surgery where they're choosing to have their arms and legs replaced with robotic ones. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but, and then you mm-hmm. have this city, the city in the sky. So there's this like floating city above the regular city. And that's where all the, the rich people live in luxury, I would assume. We actually don't even get to see the city. We see it from a distance, but they never go there in the movie. I imagine they will in the sequel. But mm-hmm. the the dialogue is really, it's really rough. Everything about this movie feels very dated, other than the effects work, of course. The, the narrative just feels so dated. And I know that it's based on a, a manga series from 1990, so... Perhaps that's why. Now, I never read the series, so I don't know how closely how, how close they are, like how close the movie is to the, the the series. But it just doesn't it just doesn't work. There's there's so many elements of this that don't really work. Uh, the, the fact that there, there's nah, just read my review. I have a review up on the site. It's. <sighs> Not good. Can't recommend Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Okay, let's talk about some new releases in theaters. This week we have the Lego Movie 2, the second part. What do you think about this? I am I'm interested. I love the first Lego Movie. Me too. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I heard good things. It currently has a 92%. There was some early screenings that happened i think last weekend a lot of people saw it and said it's pretty good we also have what what men want the highly anticipated sequel to what women want from whenever that came out they flipped it and reversed it i mean i think this one certainly looks better than the original one yeah but i mean it could it could be worth a couple laughs you never know yeah. We have The Prodigy. This is the, the horror film. About that with, kid. Yeah. About the kid. Uh, that's weird. Directed by Nicholas McCarthy. Okay. Who did uh, The Pact. I feel like I, I saw trailers for that like half a year ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I think trailers came out pretty early for that. Taylor Schilling. It was, it's funny because the, uh, all of the like marketing materials, like all the emails I'm getting about this are like, oh, it even says it on the synopsis in Rotten Tomatoes. It says in her much anticipated foray into the horror thriller genre, Golden Globe and Emmy nominee Taylor Schilling stars, blah, blah, blah. Much anticipated foray into the horror thriller genre. Like who, who's sitting around saying, you know what? I would love to see Taylor Schilling in a horror movie. Yes. Well, it's just a weird. Thriller. Yeah. Horror thriller. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to, to use in your marketing materials. Like, sure. I'd yeah. like to. Sure. Why not? But. I don't know. I don't. It, was there a large swath of people 
just like eagerly anticipating this yeah. <laughs> this happening. I don't like, think so. I don't remember anyone talking about this. Like there's like petitions, there's like change.org petitions <laughs> to have Taylor Schilling star in a horror movie. Like, come on. It's weird. Uh let's see what else we have here. Everybody knows. We got Lords of Chaos. This is the Jonas Ockerlin one. We got the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. <laughs> they kept that title. They sure did. I uh, would give that a light recommend. Got Cold Pursuit. That one I would also recommend. I think that it was the best of Liam Neeson's newer Tell stuff. Everybody. Yeah. His dad slash husband on a warpath movies that he's got going here for the last 10 11 years it's it's good We're worth checking out that has a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes Damn. yeah all these movies looking good lords of chaos 92 man who killed hitler 83 uh we also have to dust this is with matthew broderick untogether berlin i love you like we need another one of those mm-hmm the Amityville Murders. This is a a prequel to the Amityville series. This goes all the way back to the original murders that took place in the home. Oh, okay. The Gospel of Eureka. It's a documentary. Mm-hmm. The Isle. That's uh, a horror movie. And that's it for theaters. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at what we have on VOD. On February 5th, Tuesday, we have The Unicorn. This is a comedy directed by uh, Robert Schwartzman. We also have Anywhere With You and The Golem and Mm. One Billion Orgasms. That's a lot of orgasms. Yeah. It's a complex tale of one man's all-consuming obsession. It's a documentary, I think, about a guy who's... He is trying to make some uh, some sort of sex toy, I think. Oh, okay. Some sort of... I gotcha. Some, some kind of device. That gives you one... How many was it? One... A billion. A billion? Mm-hmm. I don't think you would survive that. <laughs> you just... No, I don't think you would... Your heart would you explode. Would so... Your heart would explode. You would die from dehydration. Your genitals like, would just, just be ripped to shreds. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, okay, we also have Crossbreed. <laughs> uh, that looks like some kind of sci-fi horror movie. And then on the 7th, we have Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. This is a Shutter exclusive. I'm interested in this. It's a documentary about uh, black representation in horror movies. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. Song of Parkland, that's... Uh, documentary on hbo and then on the eighth we have saint agatha that's a horror movie untogether uh, the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot the isle darkness visible Eh, terrible name (laughs) berlin i love you the amityville murders and that looks like that's about it for vod good lord yeah it's a it's pretty Pretty big week. Unfortunately, really the only one of those that I could recommend would be The Man Who Killed Hitler. That one was solid. 
The rest of them don't look great. Oh, the, mm-hmm. the Hard Noir, too, of course. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, interested yeah. in that. All right, let's check and see what we have on Blu-ray this week. The Girl in the Spider's Web. This is the sequel, the one with Claire Foy, the, the girl, the dragon tattoo. That mm-hmm. one kind of came and went. I, I feel like there was not really much said about that. No, no not at all. Got Widows coming out. Oh, uh, I would yeah. recommend. Yeah, I would recommend that if you haven't seen that yet. The Cloverfield Paradox coming out. Uh, A year later. Took him a year to put that out. Wow. Remember remember that one was the surprise drop from Netflix uh, after the Super Bowl? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work out. No, it didn't. I'm I'm wondering if they're going to do something like that again this year. Maybe. Uh, the Grinch, another one that just not really, didn't really get much talked about. But that also didn't, that was the latest one, right? Yeah. Which, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, no, no. Didn't, didn't, I didn't really see a point in that movie existing. The Sisters Brothers, I would recommend oh, that nice. one. <clears throat> a Private War. Higher Learning from 1995, getting a Blu-ray release. Oh, hell yeah. We have The Possessed from 1965 coming out on Arrow. This looks uh, pretty interesting. A visitor arrives in a small Italian village looking for a woman. Residents tell him that she committed suicide, but there's more to the mystery than they're letting on. Oh, man. There's always more to it. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Italian it's a, mystery. It's a short title for an Italian movie. I know. Well, it's an early one, 65. It's before they realize <laughs> that they need the super long titles to. Before they change the game. Yeah. They came up with a way to, to set themselves apart. Paragraph long titles. <laughs> Donnie Brasco from 1997 is getting a new Blu ray release. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen that. Same here. Poetic Justice from 1993 getting a Blu-ray release. Cool. The Guilty coming out. This is one from last year about the 911 operator. The whole the whole movie. It's like sort of this mystery thriller, but the whole movie takes place in a emergency call center. It's quite okay. it's quite good. Greedy from 1994 coming out. Ensemble comedy. I seem to remember liking that one. Looks like the John Wick movies are coming out with like a double pack, Blu-ray double pack, just in time for the third one to come out. Oh, nice. You Might Be the Killer, and this is a horror comedy. This is on Shudder. It's a Shudder exclusive, if you're interested. Looks like uh, Samurai Champloo is getting a new Blu-ray edition, the complete series. Okay. I've been meaning to revisit that, too. One of my my all-time favorite anime series the long dumb road is coming out that's the hannah fidel i believe okay oh one billion orgasms coming out <laughs> quick turn yeah. yeah and i believe that is it what do we have on criterion this week uh we have one criterion come out and that's igmar bergman's shame from 1968 mm, okay so it looks like uh you got some interviews and stuff from the time with Bergman. Got a documentary that was made 
making of at the time of filming. But then there's also a new interview with Liv Ullman. So they got all that on there. Very exciting. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.